Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. Um, so the text that we will be considering is in your uh, bulletin, order of worship there, Matthew 17. Uh, today, I would like to talk to you about home, the idea of home. Uh, home is that experience when your needs are sufficiently met. It doesn't mean that the situation's perfect, but your relational, your social, even your spiritual needs are sufficiently met, and you have this experience of home. And this morning, what I want to talk to us about, uh, talk, encourage us to see, is that home is an experience that we can have now, but it points to something into the future. But home is a, a real human longing. For some of us here this morning, we are experiencing it today. We have that sense, that, that experience where our needs are sufficiently met. Others of us here long for it. Now, regardless if you long for it or are experiencing it, what we need to realize is we are built for this idea of home. That is how God created us. And so I think our text this morning has something to say about home, what it is, and what the experience is like. So let's read Matthew 17. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Uh, this is God's word. And after about six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard them saying, rise and have no fear. Oh, excuse me. When Jesus heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. This is God's word. Would you please pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we come to this text uh, longing to hear from you. And we come from different places this morning, certainly. But we are grateful that you know us truly and fully. And we ask that you would speak to us in a way that we hear. Break through the cynicism, the joy, the frustration. And may we have ears to hear and be encouraged and changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was about 10 years ago that I left St. Louis, and I remember the day. It was a Sunday afternoon. My friend Tim and I got in my Honda Accord and started driving west. And at first, it felt like any sort of trip. We often would go out west to go skiing or hiking. But it was about Wyoming that I realized I was doing something very different. If you've ever been to Wyoming, it's 
really uh, resembles the moon uh, most. Uh, uh, it's just a very different landscape, and, and I had never really experienced anything like it. And so it was then that I realized I am doing something I've never done before. And I remember this experience of just having this feeling, this pit in my stomach, this sickness. Uh, my, my palms began to perspire. And I knew what I was doing. I was losing what was familiar to me. I was letting go of relationships. I was moving from the place that I have built. I was moving from home. But in my heart, as I moved west, I hoped that in my leaving home, I would find a new home. And really, in the years since, I have come to believe that really the only way to experience home is by leaving it. And this is why following Jesus is so hard and confusing, but yet beautiful. And I think this idea of leaving home in order to find a new home, to experience something fresh and new, is what our text is about, in part at least. And the context is this, is Jesus has been with his disciples for a number of years, two and a half about. He knows them, they know him. And he, just before this, said something very mystifying to them. He said, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you will find it. And then after six days, he sort of enacts this teaching, this mysterious teaching, for our sake, but also the sake of the disciples. And this morning, I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk to you about the experience of home, particularly through the eyes of Peter. And then I want to talk to you about the promise of a better home. Well, first, I think our text shows us the experience of home. As I read this, you may have noticed that Peter did not want to leave. Look at verses 3 and 4, and let me read it again. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one... Uh, um, I'm having a problem reading the lines here. I'm skipping um, all those. Uh, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, it's interesting, if you have been um, privileged to study this text, or if you are familiar with Christianity, you may have heard Peter criticized for wanting to stay. I, I personally don't understand that, just because if I put myself in his shoes, I wouldn't want to leave either. He was experiencing home. I mean, consider the place. He is on a mountain. He's away from the chaos of the world, and he has a perspective of life that we only get from being so high above the earth. And he is there experiencing the peace and tranquility that the mountaintop offers. Consider the people. He's a part of the 12, but here he's a part of the inner circle. And he is able to relate to uh, his friends in a very profound way. And so he's enjoying himself, and then it becomes more real whenever Moses and Elijah come. And really, this is the situation he finds himself in. It's a real spiritual top uh, mountain experience. Jesus is transfigured before his eyes. And I think Peter, who had been walking with Jesus, probably had moments of struggle, wondered from time to time if this Jesus was really who he said he was. But here, they have a situation where that faith is renewed. He sees Jesus as he will one day be. 
And so if you consider the people Peter is with, the, the place he's at, the situation, he is experiencing home. His needs are sufficiently met. And this is something we long for, these sorts of experiences. We long for home. And when we have it, we want to hold on to it. Home is something we are built for. God created us for it. And one of the most compelling things about Christianity, if you're not a Christian, you need to know this. In God's kindness, not only did he create us for that longing for homing, but he satisfies that longing. We'll see that played out here. But the longing for home is real. It is something all of us in this room, whether we want to admit it or not, have. And the question I want to propose to you this morning is, in our late modern world, where can we go to experience home? And this question, you know, if we asked it a generation ago, it would, you know, people would have responded by, well, of course, with your family. Would have stayed with your people. You would not have left. Now, I don't know all of your situation here on the East End, but I imagine some of you have left familiarity at some point. You left those whom you love. And so the question, where can we experience home, is one that you've asked yourself. It is one that we long to answer. And it gets more complicated when we consider the context of our world. We live in a very fragmented world. Henry Nowen, who's a, 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 a Catholic priest, I believe, and a, a man who wrote a lot about the spiritual life, writes this. Our society is so fragmented. Our family lives so sundered by physical and emotional distance. Our friendship so sporadic. Our intimacy so in between things and often so utilitarian that there are few places where we truly feel safe. Does that resonate with you? As you live your life, as you look back and look forward, do you often feel safe? Safe to be who you are, to share your experience? You see, again, we long for home, and the question is, is where can we experience it? Well, one thing I want to consider is that this is one way we are, ought to think about church. Church, the family of God, is, in many ways, to be a place of home. This is not a new idea. If you consider Jesus and what he teaches, he uh, gets to this point on a number of occasions, but let me just highlight one. In Matthew 13, he is providing a lot of different word pictures of what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in Mark, uh, Matthew 13, he tells this parable. Let me read it to you. It's very short. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. And when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Now, the kingdom of God is not simply the church, but the church is a part of the kingdom of God. And so one of the applications we can make here is church. One of the ways we ought to understand church is that it is to be a home. It is to be a place where you have relationships that meet that relational need. It is to be a place where we feel safe to be our true selves. It is a place where we can struggle. It is a place where we're known. Church is to be a place where our needs are sufficiently met. Not fully, certainly, but truly and really. And so let me make this a little bit more personal for you. This church that many of you call home 
is to be that. Grace is to be a home for you. And in this, there's a couple of things I want to highlight or suggest that if this is a home for you, there's, I would encourage you to do two things. One is rejoice. Rejoice that God has given you this place. Rejoice that he has been kind to you because, again, this is something people long for. And it is very rare in my experience that someone says, I feel at home. And so is God's kindness to you that you are at a place where you can have these needs sufficiently met. And so rejoice. See God's kindness. The other thing is to enjoy it. (laughs) I think there's a misunderstanding in the Christian life that if you are enjoying something, it must not be God's will. Now, the opposite is certainly true. Just because you're enjoying it doesn't mean that it is. But regardless, we are very uncomfortable sometimes with being comfortable. But sometimes there are seasons when God comes to us in a very real, tangible way, and we have this place carved out for us, and we feel our needs being met. And so we can rejoice, and we don't need to apologize. But home is something that we are built for. And there are times and seasons in God's kindness that we experience it. And like Peter, we don't want to leave. We want to hold on to it. But what we see here is that the rhythm of the Christian life is often not lived in mountaintop experiences. And what we see that with every experience of home, there's a promise of a better home. And I want to get to this point here by looking at what happens after Peter suggests, hey, let's stay here. Let's not go back to the world below. Let's just kind of hang out and make our life on top of the mountain. Look at verses 5 through 9. And I love this. Peter is suggesting this, and he's interrupted. As he was still speaking, when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So Jesus here provides this mountaintop experience, this experience of home, but then touches Peter and invites him to something new, to a new experience. And, you know, we're not privileged to how Peter would respond to this, but if I imagine as he's touched and invited to walk down the mountain, he would be like, why? Why do I have to leave? Why must I experience something different? And there's a couple of answers I think we can suggest here. One of the reasons why Jesus invites Peter to walk down the mountain is to know and experience him more fully. Jesus says in verse 9 something kind of strange. He says, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And scholars agree that one of the reasons why Peter is told not to share this news or this experience with anybody is because he fully didn't understand it. And if you read this in the context of the whole story, I think what is happening here is that Jesus understands that Peter needs to fall. He needs to be broken. He needs to be broken so that he can see more fully. And that's really... The paradigm of the Christian life, unfortunately. Remember what Jesus said before this. 
He who wants to save his life will lose it. But he who's willing to let go, to fall, to deny, will find it for the sake of knowing and experiencing Jesus. And it is often, let me put it this way, it is often in those moments where we fall that all things are stripped away, that Jesus becomes more real. And so that's why Jesus invites Peter to go down because he knows the world is full of people like you and me. It is a mess. It is a place where pain exists. But it is often in experiencing those moments we see our true humanity and our true need and as a result know and experience Jesus more fully and truly. The other reason why I think Peter is invited to go down, to, uh, the, go down the mountain is to participate in God's work. It's interesting here that Jesus is on top of this mountain and then goes down, and immediately after that, I don't have it here written in the text, he meets a man and his son, and his son is demon-possessed. And it is there that Jesus brings life to this young man. But what you need to notice and what I need to notice is that Jesus realizes his mission is in the world of brokenness around them. And he doesn't go down alone. He invites his people to go with him. People like you, people like me. Jesus always brings others into the work of healing into the world. And I think the point here is this, is that Jesus invites Peter out of this experience of home for an experience and a promise of a better home. What, what am I getting at? What is my point? Well, what is home really? Is it really a place? Is it really a particular situation? I think home is Jesus. It's relationship with him. It is a sense of coming to terms with your own insufficiency and his sufficiency. It is experiencing his forgiveness, his knowing your need, and having dependence upon him. And this is the rhythm of the Christian life. It is having these experiencing, uh, experiences of, of comfort, of home, and then coming off those mountain-at-top experiences and being stripped of those, being broken and falling for the sake of something better, a more rich experience of Jesus. And this is true for us individually, and maybe you know this to be true. It is no surprise that when you look back in your life in those moments that are most rich, that you often feel most at home are, most, are oftentimes the most difficult because it is in those moments you cannot hide and you know who you truly are and you are seeing Jesus at work in your life in a profound way. But it's true for the church as well. The experience of the church and the rhythm of the church is this. It is a constant moving towards home and then letting go for the sake of something better. Let me be a little bit more practical for you. What can this look like for a community? Well, maybe it's a community having an understanding that the Christian life is not one mountaintop experience after another, but has a category for suffering and difficulty and heartache. And because it has that category, it is a place where people can struggle. Maybe... It is a community of people uh, asking God, where is it that you are at work in the world, in our community, and letting go of maybe particular works they are currently doing or ministries that they hold dear for the sake of something fresh and new. 
It is a community being burdened for the outsider, constantly being hospitable and asking the question, what is it like for someone who does not go to church to come into our community? Is there room for them? And is there space for them? And what I, want us to see, what, what I want us to see is all these things, all these questions I'm asking you about are difficult to answer and even more harder to pursue and to accomplish. It is a true falling and denying and letting go. You know, it, I, I've been a pastor for about 10 years, and so in many ways I'm just kind of getting started and this idea of letting go of comfort for the sake of an experience of a greater home is very difficult for us because when we like things the way they are, we want to hold on to them. And to be called to something new, to, to be touched by Jesus and to be invited into or down the mountain uh, is counterintuitive. Uh, it means that you will be inconvenienced. It means that you're going to have to absorb different things, things that may have a cost and take a toll but this is what we're called to, is as a church and as Christians, is never holding on to what is, but always asking Jesus, how are you inviting us to let go in order to experience home, not only for us, but for others? And if I look back on my 10 years, it is often those moments when a community of people forget that their ultimate home is not the church, that real conflict exists. And so the challenge and the encouragement to all of us is to realize our ultimate home is with Jesus. And it is an experience that we have here in part, but will be fully realized when he returns. To kind of press this home a little bit more, consider this, this parable that I spoke of earlier. This parable of, of uh, the, uh, the birds coming to make their nests. You know, oftentimes what happens, or maybe, let me take this approach. Imagine for a second that this tree uh, grows, and then you have these birds that come, and, and they make their home. Maybe it's 20 birds, and they make their nest. And, you know, they're sufficiently spaced out. It's not too messy. It's, the smell's not too bad. And for those 20 birds, what they do is they begin to realize that they are experiencing something great for themselves. And then, therefore, they don't want anything to change. They don't want to let go of what they are currently experiencing. But if you look at this parable a little bit more closely, what I would argue is that this tree is not fully itself until other birds come and make their homes there. What is it like for the birds that are there and have always been there? It means always something new. It means people pressing in, people changing your life. And as I said earlier, it's counterintuitive. There's a cost. But the promise is this. If we refuse to hold on, there's a promise of a new home, a greater experience of Jesus and his sufficiency and work in the world by participating in his mission. And so one question I want to ask you on an individual uh, level this morning <clears throat> is God inviting you in some way to leave home for the sake of a better home? Maybe it's with your occupation. Uh, maybe it's within your family life. Is God inviting you in some way, shape, or form to not demand comfort, but to 
embrace ambiguity, uncertainty in your life for the sake of something better. And for you as a community, is God inviting you into experiencing home in a new way? Is he inviting you to let go of something for the sake of something new? And again, it is very difficult to walk through that, down that road. It is terrifying at moments. And that is why we want to hold on. But again, the promise is this, is that Jesus walks down the mountain with us. And as we experience the ministry that we are part of and participating in his work, he promises to go before us, work in us and through us, to give us his spirit and to encourage us. And so, at the, you know, at the end of the day, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Let me conclude here. So my friend Tim and I did drive out west. We made it there. And as I hoped, I did experience a new home. Uh, Seattle became a place that I felt comfortable. Seattle became a place where I was known. I, I just, it was very familiar to me and my family. And at some point, my wife and I, and I remember the moment, we had a conversation where we had this sneaking suspicion that we were being asked to consider something new. And what we wanted to do at that moment was shut down the conversation. And, you know, we didn't that quickly, but the conversation went on and on for a number of years because, again, it was terrifying to us to even contemplate the idea of letting go of what we were experiencing, to fall, to deny ourselves. But in God's kindness, he was patient with us, and he walked through us as we answered questions, as we gave all sorts of excuses and all sorts of reasons why we should stay. But eventually, he made it clear what we ought to do, and we did, and we left. And I remember driving from our home in Seattle to the airport, crying because we were leaving something beautiful, something we didn't want to let go. But it was in that moment I knew that the God who has been faithful to me so many times before would be faithful then. And listen, I just got here. New York is not home yet. But I sleep at night, well, most nights, because I've seen that God is faithful, that he can provide again as he did before. And he's kind and he's generous. Listen, he built us for a home. And he will provide, and we will have experiences, but we don't need to hold on to it now because ultimately this points to something new and fresh that will not last for a couple of days or a few years, but forever. You see, because the people of God are going to come into this earth, this restored earth, when Jesus returns and never leave, we don't have to hold on to life now. We don't have to demand that things as they are must stay the same. But we can look into the world and ask difficult questions, inconvenience ourselves, absorb difficulty. Because the fact of the matter is God is at work and really the greatest at home in this world is with him and participating in that work. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd give us courage, that you'd give us hope, and that you'd give us eyes to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.